turning back the clocks. Would you say, like, Adam Sandler was your most seen actor from ages 6 to 13? You saw, like, I guess he was the actor that was most on your screen growing up whenever you're watching a movie. Well, I did rewatch Spider-Man 1 and 2 a thousand times, so Tobey Maguire would have to take the cake there. But, no, yeah, I think that's a good take. But I was thinking it's really between him and Farrell when the comedies were at its peak, right? Like 2000s comedies at its peak. That's when we, like, primarily grew up in our childhood, elementary into middle school. Seems like Sandler and Farrell were just going back and forth. Yeah, I, I guess I would say yeah. Non animation, I I would say yes. I think that I think we we should have a debate at some point later on. Maybe when Farrell like has a little comeback or a little renaissance. Oh my and we god! We talk we talk about like comparison of those careers. I guess who do you, you think wrote a is blog on a better this. one? Yeah, I did, but I I, I and we'll repost it after we uh, record this pod. But I just wonder, like, if Farrell has a role similar to Uncut Gems, like what Sandler had, and like what he's doing with Hustle, and he has like these type of movies to pair with the successful comedies. Like, I feel like that could be almost like a a race to the Oscar, but not really a race to the Oscar. Yeah, like uh, who's better under serious circumstances? Yeah, just who could do it all, you know? And it just Farrell hasn't hit that point yet. Yeah, sadly, you know, I, I, I say it every 10 episodes, I feel like Stranger Than Fiction, one of my favorite movies in the 2000s, and Will Ferrell, unbelievable performance in that. So he does have it in his bag. It's just he never does it. Sandler, Ferrell, Apatow, the heroes of the 2000 comedies. Accurate. Very accurate. Seth Rogen. Throw him in there. I can't believe you're a professional golfer. I think you should be working at the snack bar. You better relax, Bob. There is no way that you could have been as bad at hockey as you are at golf. All right, let's go. You like that, old man? You want a piece of me? I don't want a piece of you. I want the whole thing. is wrong bitch this is the drive-in podcast take one bada big bada boom Welcome to episode 116 of the Drive-In Podcast. On today's episode, we have a very special top-billing draft of the greatest Adam Sandler movies. In honor of his new Netflix movie, Hustle, check out our review from earlier in the week. Check it out on our feed. 
That being said, use the bathroom now. Grab that popcorn and enjoy episode 116 of the Drive-In Podcast. Howdy, Judy. Welcome to episode 116 of TDI. This is your co-host, Dr. O on the Horn, with a very special draft this evening. One to cap off your week, one for an enjoyable drive to work where you could just listen to a bunch of nostalgia, a bunch of, uh, I guess, a couple kids who grew up with the one and only Adam Sandler, myself, and the one and only Ricky Flex. Ricky Flex, how are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I we're, This is going to be a big draft for us today. Adam Sandler, we were just talking about how essential he was to our childhood, and I'm assuming a lot of people's childhoods who are listening. He's, like, unbelievable, right? Over, was it, $4 billion at the box office, and that doesn't even wow. include his Netflix Netflix movies. Zero right? major franchises and nearly $4 billion at the box office. No superheroes. Imagine Just, him joining the MCU, Ricky Flex. As a, there were there was rumor there were rumors that he was supposed to be Rocket, Rocket, um, in Guardians. I would have loved that to be honest. But uh, uh what was he doing? Twenty fourteen, I don't remember. Grown but, um, two. Just go with it. Um. No, but I think it's just impressive what he's done. You know, from SNL, like you think of. Who, all the famous people that have gone through SNL to go make it big. Is he the biggest of the, of them all is the question. I think it's a yes. Yeah. You think about I it, mean, Chevy Chase, Belushi, like, S- like SNL Farley, cast members to make that Farrell. transition. Yeah. Myers. Yeah. Jimmy Fallon. You could say tonight show. Yeah. If you want to do like act like notoriety and fame, he's definitely mm-hmm. up there. We're missing a bunch. Tina Fey, Polar, not nearly as like big. But I don't still really big. think we're missing a bunch, to be honest. Like Murray, you could say, obviously. Murray, yeah, that's that's actually yeah, valid. Wow, Ricky, you know, potential draft. I want to say best transitions from SNL. Yeah, that yeah. that would be a good one. I I, I I really think Sandler is the best, and he would be my number one. Yes, I'm teasing a pick now. Maybe I don't know. I think Murray is Murray's got him. I think because Murray does the those comedies, right? But he also has like that prestige upon himself. Uh, oh, Carrie, yeah. Carrie's also one of them, right? Do we mention Jim Carrey? Is he he was SNL, right? Was he just a writer? Maybe. Well, there's been a lot of. If we want to go include writers, then there, we should have like a ten person draft because there have been so many great writers for SNL. It's unbelievable. Was Jim um, Carrey SNL though? Was he on SNL? Should I look that up real quick? I don't know. I, I've I never been a huge SNL. I feel like our generation, like in your 20s and younger, just SNL was never good during our time. So it's just like you're not like it's just we don't we don't have that affinity towards it like other people in their 40s and older. Because Car- like, I was going to say, Carrie, he played Biden on SNL. From yeah. Years back, but I don't think he was ever a cast, member, like SNL. a cast member. Like, yeah. Bill Hader, the other one. Yeah, and like his his story's not been completely written yet, too. Um, but before we get to the draft, it is the end of the week, Ricky Flex. So I was just curious. I, I want to make this a regular segment where 
maybe you you tell the audience what you plan on watching this weekend, not just for the review next week, but anything like new new movies that you are planning to check out or something that you've been meaning to do and meaning to watch that you want to just tell the audience before I blog it out with the Rex this week. Okay, that's actually really interesting because I was thinking about this earlier today. Me too. As I was scrolling on Twitter. Um, okay, so obviously I'm watching Lightyear. Besides okay. that, I am not going to see Jurassic World Dominion. I've decided. If you want to review that like quickly on your own, like in one of the eps next week, like a quick two-minute drill recap, that's cool. I've decided I'm not going to pay money to see it. I'll wait till it comes out on TV. But I don't know why, but like Jake Gyllenhaal was all over my feed this week. So I will be doing a double feature, Prisoners, which is one of my favorite movies of all time, and... One that I haven't rewatched lately that I should rewatch 2016 movie Nocturnal Animals. So those three movies are on my light. You go from Lightyear to Prisoners slash Nocturnal Animals, like completely different types of movies. That's probably that's those are like the three that I'm targeting this weekend. Because this is what I do at the end of the week. I like I literally don't even like I pen them. I literally take pen and paper. I'm like this is what I plan on watching this weekend. And I picked a few movies. Uh, Ambulance, by the way, it's not streaming yet, is it? No, it's not. Not for free, at least. I'm excited you for when that BOD. hits streaming. I'm very excited for when that hits streaming. I will watch it. Uh, I like that the, you're devoted to the drive-in game, the TDI game, devoted listener, right? Jake Gyllenhaal. Make yes, sure you got to yes. show him some love, right? Show him. He showed Probably us listening. so much love. Sorry. Right? We got to get back to, like, I mean, he hasn't really been listening to the pod, I guess, publicly as much. We got to get back to that on the Instagram grind and, like, capture him in the moment listening to the newest episode of the drive-in um what i plan on watching ricky flex first off i i really want to watch rrr mm, you know, i heard you know, about that netflix so it's, it's not a bollywood movie it's a different genre of it's not bollywood but it's basically juxtaposed like to that genre okay of movies and i see clips on twitter consistently uh amazing dance sequences and action sequences i've heard it's off the wall but i have heard it's also three hours long so it's gonna take a lot of my time but i do plan on watching it i'm gonna check that out currently streaming on netflix a new movie i also uh i guess on my youtube it like obviously I, we i basically watch a bunch of movie clips all the time it will feed me with the algorithm certain scenes and uh, a movie I haven't seen because I, I rewatch like the big short like YouTube clips a lot just because they have electric. Mm. It's a great YouTube movie, by the way. Like obviously, yeah, I wa- great I YouTube actually, movie. I watched that last week. And there's so many like, that streaming, you could though. just roll through like Gosling first introduction with the Jenga blocks. Like that's automatic. Also Mark Baum like at the bar. Like, but what went with that is Margin Call with Spacey. Oh, chaos. Excuse me. <sighs> How Zachary you? Quinto, Jeremy Irons. Uh, this Daniel is a, Tucci. This Daniel is a Tucci. movie I haven't seen before. I've really? not seen Margin Call. And it's currently Paul streaming on, in it as well. Right. It's currently streaming on Hulu and Netflix. So I'm going to make a commitment to watch that and RRR this weekend. So well, different I, ends of the spectrum. I will also say ends. it might be appearing on your feed because I did watch Margin Call on your Netflix. So um, that might be it. So that might be the reason, but it's a good watch. I definitely, if you're uh, in tune with like the financial crisis or uh, if you like the beach, big short, you'll like this movie. You like like business type movies like that. You'll like this movie for sure. 
but it, it is it does get intense. Like it does get intense. I looked um, at um, it's Rotten Tomatoes fairly well. I think it's like eighty seven or something like that. Maybe a really. I think it's like 74 for audiences, which makes yeah. me think it's a little bit of a downer of a movie. But I saw one review on Rotten Tomatoes, and it was one word. Devastating. Eh, no. I don't <laughs> that's, what, that's what I – that's that's the, that's the one I do I agree. I think I, I have it in my uh, – when did I – let me pull up my, uh, my uh, movie rankings. Let's yeah, what did you give this one? When did I watch it? Margin call. Oh, whoops. I so I – Margin call. I watched it on March 23rd this year, and I gave it a 70. Wow. Okay. Thinking Any highlights about it, you want to point out? That might seem a little course. low. Actually, looking back on it, it's a great cast. Uh, great cast. I think they didn't give enough information, particularly what's going on. They just basically say, "Oh, this model that Zachary Quinto did, like he oh, did." It. Are you using your business brain right now to like be critical of the movie? No, but like he, they be basically. Honest. No, like they, I, I wish they gave more. Like they just said, "Oh, Zachary Quinto did this model, and the stock market is going to collapse," and that's it. Like in the big short, at least, I'm not saying they have to explain everything, but they should just like say a little more than just saying, "Oh, this model predicts this, so this is going to happen." Sometimes it's good to be that simplistic, but when you're trying to understand like more than that, because they're throwing out all this jargon, it's like. I wish I saw a little more. I think you understand when you see it. It's a good movie. Okay. So, so, so it's like a more, it's like a, a more serious, big short. Definitely serious. Yeah, definitely more serious. Yeah, okay. but it has its moments. Interesting. Yeah. So, the Big Short's one of those movies. If it's streaming, I automatically watch it. Like that's a must-watch. As soon, it's like when people announce what movies are coming to streaming, right? That's one that you have to actually like actually go to. Whenever oh that hits streaming for free, holy crap, that's gonna. What are some other movies like that? What are some other movies like? Okay, wow, this one's hitting streaming. I gotta watch it. What's one that's popped up on your like feed? Like historically, yeah, just like whenever you see it, like wow, I didn't know that was streaming. Boom, watch it immediately. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Was it ever streaming anywhere? Prime now. No, it's because I bought it and you use my Amazon Prime, you dummy. Cheers. <laughs> but that shows you how much I love that movie. Um, I know you do too. Hmm. I'm trying to think. Moneyball, when that came on Netflix, that's one where like, okay. That was a big one. Immediately. I guess a lot of the movies I think of like are already streaming. I I, I I can't really think of any. It's like it's like it's like finding those classics that are rarely streaming. Like I saw Mission Impossible the Master. on there. The Master. The Master's good. Like the original Mission Impossible showed up on Netflix this week and uh, I, I or last week and I was like, oh, I gotta watch this. It just seems like uh, it's because obviously Fallout and like the uh, success that Tom Cruise has had as of like Top Gun Maverick and then like the recent obvious Ethan Hunt movies. Uh, I feel like I had to start from the beginning again. Like I gotta rewatch Mission Impossible while it's still out there. That's like one that popped up for me. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm having a hard time thinking of one. Stuff because there's so much stuff available. Uh, yeah. I think we should get to the draft. And uh, this is an actor, Adam Sandler, who means so much to the drive in podcast. What did we review? We did a throwback review of Uncut Gems, we did Hustle earlier in the week. Whatever that we, we did, Hubie Halloween as well. And I actually like that one, Adam <laughs> Sandler. Okay, so we did a Hustle Netflix movie. Like, did you have a passion for any other, any other Netflix movies he's done? 
I know you've probably seen them all, all right, or most of them. Is there any ones that like really stand out and like that might make an appearance on this draft? I think there's two that have a good shot at making the top 10 here. There's another one that I don't mind, but I personally won't draft it. And then there's just a bunch of hot trash. I think personally out of his nine Netflix movies, he has one more coming out either the end of this year or next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spaceman, which is that Netflix? Okay, that will be Netflix's With 10th Dana? movie. Yes. So oh yeah. Oh, yeah. it's going to be monstrous for him. Gary Mulligan. It's just, I, I really think the Netflix deal, like, yes, this movie hustle, I think kind of like this one. And then there's another one that I won't tease. Hustle is getting all the like shine right now, but the other yep. one didn't. And I think we know what one, which one we're talking about. And it's just like without hustle, let's just take this movie away. I would say his Netflix, it can't, you can't say it's a failure because of how many uh, viewers it gets. But I would say like without hustle kind of deters his Netflix deal. It, it was just basically a payday. So you know how like these streaming services, like they obviously sign these big deals like to these actors. Uh, do you think he's Mr. Netflix? Do you think Sandler is like, is he synonymous with Netflix now? Almost to like Tom Hanks, his synonymous, his like how he's synonymous with uh, Apple TV. Does, is there like that same type of like feel with Sandler now? Is that, what do you, what do you think? I mean, this is that. Like even his older movies, like when he was still in SNL or in the '90s and early 2000s, those also feel like those could have been made by Netflix by how stupid they are. Right. Uh, it was the like, premise of them. They're so stupid. So you could say yes, like he is the Netflix guy, but you don't want him to be the Netflix guy. That's like if those movies came out in this day and age, they would automatically be streaming movies. So that's like why you, it almost feels like yeah. Like he is born for streaming services because his movies would not be profitable. A lot of them from the nineties, early to two thousands in this day and age in movie theaters. But then again, you're like, well, it's Adam Sandler. It would be interesting if he actually exclusively released one of his comedies in theaters and see how it does. But I think he was almost ahead of the curve in that regard where he noticed there was a trend after 2008, like dark Knight, And then, uh, Iron Man and the MCU's arrival, he was just like, okay, like the time is passing over these comedies, over the Apatow era. And you can notice, like, during that time, like in theaters, what do you have? Just go with it. I think bedtime stories, those were exclusively theater releases. And he must have recognized the trend then. And he's like, okay, Netflix deal, they're throwing me the bag. Might as well. well yeah, they threw him the bag 2014, right? And they threw him, wow. And then they threw him the bag again for another four year deal. Um, 250 million a couple years ago so it's like they get they threw them two bags so <laughs> double bagged them they double, double bag. bagged them his net worth is almost 500 million bucks think about that 500 million to me that's like low i, I thought it was going to be closer to like 800 million dollars i could be look i could have like when i looked it up uh, last week whenever we did the hustle review it's when i looked it up it could have been like a 2019 number before the second netflix deal so you never know it's just that when you do this netflix deal you lose that like potential, I guess, because like 250 million for four films or whatever, like that's a, still a crap ton. But it's like you lose that ceiling. Your ceiling is topped. Yeah. With a box office, it's like, oh, you could go through the roof. Yeah, it'll take you to that next level. But Sandler is like that big name already. So it's just like he's like, I think, as I said before, 
he recognized that curve. Like he noticed that box office, box offices were trending a certain way and he's adapted in a way we talked about earlier on, like his comparison to Farrell, like Farrell hasn't been able to adapt. He does. He made Eurovision a couple of years ago. Okay. Mm. Was it last year or two years ago? Um, two, two. two years ago, he made Eurovision, which is kind of like older Farrell, but at the same time trying to be a little more serious at the same time. It was a really weird movie in general, but, uh, I don't know. It's just like he hasn't been able to, I guess, maintain the love that Sandler has. Because I think that's also what I think of with Adam Sandler. He's arguably the most beloved actor that's going. Well, he's so relatable. He's like I'm the man. most common man actor, but like in his movie, even in his movies he is. But then again, he's worth almost $500 million. Right. He's, you couldn't tell if he was walking down the street, though, which is why we love him so much. We, I think you would notice him now because of how long he wears his shorts. It's like, yeah. who is that bum? <laughs> oh, wait, not... it's Adam Sandler. Yeah. No, he, like, it was just like he was like recording someone's and one mixtape on, on, <laughs> yeah, exactly. on the asphalt there. And uh, one. Let's get to the draft order today. Do you happen to have a coin on you, Ricky Flex? Money Bags always has coins ready. I do. Yeah. All right. So you're flipping today, and I'm calling tails. You know how it rolls. Showing it to the camera, Ricky Flex, heads, tails. It is not double-sided, although it looked like both heads there for a second. <laughs> I did. So this is a weird-looking coin. Look at this, YouTube. Look at this. What is this? It's like a different style coin. It's like Washington, Washington looks unbelievable there. Yeah. Mint. Pun, in, pun intended. Yeah, whatever. Okay, I'll flip it. Flip. It's heads. It's heads. So Ricky Flex, you have a choice of going first or second in this draft. What? Will you take? I think having the first pick will help me. So I'm gonna go with the first pick. Okay, Ricky later Flex. in the draft. I'm actually a little shocked that you took the first pick here. Uh, I think number one, I it's not obvious. I think I know where you're gonna go. I think we're on the same wavelength in that wavelength in that regard. You might surprise me, but uh with the versatility of his filmography from the past few years, it might be more beneficial to go two, three. But number one, you must think you have a solidified choice here. What do you take in with the number one slot? Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I think there is a clear one, one, but I think for an overall board, I think you rather have the second pick for the back to back because yep. I think the top three is so much better than the rest. But Damn you people, go back to your shanties. I'm taking Happy Gilmore. I am taking Happy Gilmore. I You did a tweet the other day of most quotable movies ever. And I think Happy Gilmore deserves to be in that top five. I, I think it's unbelievable. Um, you're in my world now, Grandma. Like, the cast... pieces of shit for breakfast yes that was an improvised line by the way unreal i, I heard that yeah uh -huh. but uh no like this is where this is the year after so he did an snl from 1990 to 95 right and this is his first film after leaving snl and this is just when you knew like you knew like before i'm not going to tease any picks that he was going to be a star uh outside well it of wasn't SNL. his first film leaving right it, you knew that he was going to be a star no matter what but this solidifies and yep this guy is like box office like for sure like consistent box office um i am so happy i have happy gilmore it's my favorite adam stanley movie that's why i wanted the first pick and also i want that ninth pick in case 
the 10th pick, it, I have him a little iffy on of my top 10. So give me Happy Gilmore number one. What do you think? So this was my consensus number one overall pick. This is like the same thing. You have a phenomenal rookie year and people are worried about the sophomore slump, but then you win the MVP in, in your second year. Mm. Like obviously a movie I'm going to pick with either my second but with the second or third overall pick here, um, that was like his rookie year, right? Where it same it showed like okay he can survive away from SNL, okay, create something that is not connected to SNL, not making a movie regarding a character in SNL and still be successful. And like the fact that he went here, it's it's honestly I would say this is like the peak of Adam Sandler. This was the peak, and obviously he's his main he's maintained popularity, but this movie like off SNL off the one that made him well. This was his MVP year. It's goofy, yet heartfelt. Sandler, as you said, he's coming into his own, right? He's like, he's finally legitimate after this movie. This sent him into another stratosphere. It also has the same traits like a lot of his movies. It's wacky in concept. Like it's a hockey player who wants to be a golfer. So like just in that regard, it's dumb. And then you have like chubs with the hand and everything bitten by a crocodile. There's only 364 days left till next hockey season. And obviously you have the iconic shooter McGavin, which I'll let you touch upon in a sec. So in my opinion, like this had to be the number one pick. First of all, it had to be a, a, a comedy role because that's like who he is. So you nailed it in that regard. But uh, I mean, I'll let you elaborate on Shooter. What makes him so good? Shooter, my God, he might be the well. He's one of the like we talked about movie villains the other week, or no, last episode with uh, Darth Vader. I would put Shooter McGavin like up there, easily top ten movie villain of all time. And his Twitter account kind of proves it. Just kind of carrying that legacy. It's so good. It's amazing. Um, and then like the quotes we mentioned, like you mentioned, uh, <laughs> you eat pieces for breakfast. <laughs> it's, it's just like so good. And then like the rhyme, uh, it's unbelievable. But I think just Shooter, it headlines the unbelievable cast of this movie. Like we had, like I, I quoted uh, how, but like Ben Stiller, the best part of Hubie Halloween was when he just appeared out of nowhere. The Sandlerverse. The like, Sandlerverse exists. It, that was... The best part of that movie. <laughs> you can trouble me with a warm glass of shut the hell up. <laughs> you know, I literally went nuts like in Hubie Halloween when he showed when he showed up. I think I I was I watched it like at our parents' house. And I, I don't know if you were in the house, but I was like screaming when it happened. I was like, this this is a cameo I was more like excited for than any Marvel cameo I saw. <laughs> That's how important. Well, now it your was back's for me. gonna hurt because you just pulled landscaping duty. <laughs> like That's honestly my th- if we did a Ben Stiller draft, that might go number one for me for favorite it's roles. Am- it's amazing. <laughs> but again, like uh, the woman from Modern Family, forget her name, but she was the love interest. Great Julie in this. Bowen. Julie Bowen. Thank you. Bo- yes, thank you. Great in this. Um, Very cute. Chubbs, Carl. What, like it is unbelievable, this cast, and how funny everybody is. And like you have, you only had like two golfers, and one of them is Liv Trevino. Uh, Lou Trevino, and he's just the guy that shakes his head every time he does something. So funny. I love this movie. It had to go number one. I wanted it on my boards. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and it's like you said, I think this movie, it depicts what Adam Sandler movies are. They're crazy, at, um, as in plot. You know, a hockey player turned golfer yep. who hits drives 500 yards, like ridiculous. He has a quick temper. 
you know, a little rage, right? He has one of the best tempers in Hollywood. Like seeing Sandler go off, it's just like, it's like, it's must, it's a must in his movies. Right. And then relatable, like relatable, like every, like what he does in the movie, like maybe not like I can't hit a drive 500 yards, but like happy as a person, like trying to save his grandma's house at the same time, like very relatable. So I'm going to go overall happy Gilmore, in my opinion, was the clear one, one. And before I go on to my next pick, we brought up cameos. We would be remiss if we did not bring up arguably the best cameo in comedic movie history with Bob Barker. Unbelievable fight. Unbelievable. He also, I think uh, he like did his own stunts or whatever. Did his, he, That was him the whole time. The price is wrong. The price is wrong. And then uh, one of the best also like comedic lines of all time. It's almost like too habitual how much we say. You talk about the quotability. Like how many times has our dad said to us when we're like playing backyard games against us? And he goes like, the price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> how many times has he done that, Ricky Flex? Uh, and it's also like, it pops up on Bru- at Bruins games. It'll like show up like on big screens, like during in- like impactful moments, trying to like hype I don't up want the a PCU. I want the whole thing. <laughs> it's so good. It is phenomenal. But amazing pick. Deservedly so, number one overall. I think I am going to follow with the comedic train here. And I'm going to go with that rookie year I was referring to. I'm going to go with, you talked about potentially this uh, Happy Gilmore is the most quotable movie. I would argue that Billy Madison is even more so quotable. This was, as I said before, his him breaking onto the scene off SNL, right? 95 he leaves, 95 he has Billy Madison. Uh talk about ridiculous concepts, follows and falls in line with actually this is like the trendsetter for most Adam Sandler movies that came after it, right? The control he had on this movie, uh, leading into the future. But also, um, we talk about amazing guest appearances in supporting roles in Happy Gilmore. We got the same thing with Billy Madison. We got Chris Farley stealing roles. You get Steve Buscemi stealing roles. Norm Macdonald, rest in peace, right? Eric, right, was seen stealing roles. And then Darren McGavin, when you think of obviously a Christmas story, also getting his licks in. Um, it's so dumb. But the supporting, uh, I didn't even bring up Veronica Vaughn. The supporting cast is so good. And Sandler is as dumb as ever. This comedy would never be made today, but it seems like for the time period it came out, it was perfect. And I feel like I quoted this movie from sixth grade up until my, I'm 26 now. I've been quoting this movie for 20 years. Yeah, I think this is like the one that would rival Happy Gilmore, right? And rival it for quotes, like you said. Personally, I just think Happy Gilmore is better in each of those ways. But and because also this movie is sometimes annoying as, as in like not annoying as in like the movie itself and the jokes, but just the premise is like kind of just so ridiculous. Like at least Happy Gilmore. Yes, it is crazy ridiculous. But like we're not talking about a grown man going through kindergarten again. You know, it's like eh. like like if this came out on Netflix today, like I, it would get a crap ton of watches, but I don't think it would be as beloved as it was. It wouldn't be as accepted today. You know, a lot of people roll their eyes at it. I think just because it's Adam Sandler, this is his big first big break, right? This is like you said, his rookie year, like actual, like he played the minimum amount of games to get rookie of the year. This is this is that qualifies, yeah, and he absolutely nailed it. And I think you also mentioned um, Chris Farley, right? I think that he's the biggest scene stealer here as the guy that eats all the tuna, the sandwiches. (laughs) 
Who can eat 72 sandwiches? Damn bus around. <laughs> I get no, dude. I was reading that uh before the takes of this movie, his takes, he would chug espresso espressos, you know, to try to get that red face and like the energy. Sweating, like literally. Good, sweating. grand, wonderful. I, but, I say uh, that to my students all the time, like great, grand, wonderful, and they don't get it. And I'm waiting uh, for like I, I pause after I say it, and I'm like, anybody, and nothing happens. And I, I don't tell them the fact that it's Billy Madison. I want them to figure out on their own. And then someone's like, oh, 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 like I like literally, it's so quotable. I'll do it to like my batch of 14 year old students. Like I'll just say it to them. You know, that says a lot about this movie. This movie's so funny, because, also because if you just take a step back. Like Adam Sandler from New Hampshire, his mom was a, a teacher, I think, and he, like he went to NYU, like very hard school to get into, and he's making a movie about how dumb he is. Like it's pretty funny, like looking back at it through that lens. Um, yeah. And uh, I guess just like I think you mentioned Norm Macdonald, you know, like also very good role here. I read also like when I was doing backstory for this uh, draft, like in one of the scenes when he's absolutely plastered, he's actually plastered in real life. Like in the take. <laughs> like that just shows like the SNL style, like you know, back in the day, like all those actors on SNL, the cast members, and they just were getting after it and they didn't care because they were just so funny, they just dominated whatever they were in. They were just that funny. I love that. So this is a great pick. Um, you called the ship poop. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I was gonna say it if you didn't, like <laughs> that's one of the great and like we didn't even bring up like stop looking at me, swan, just like the fact we have the big penguin out of nowhere. It's like it, it is so good, and we didn't bring up sloppy joes. Like, there, it's just it's it's going to last the test of times, and it's crazy in this day and age. Like, a movie like that is going to live longer than the best picture winner of 1995, you know. Whatever that was. Try and think of it right now. <laughs> As you know, Billy Madison's gonna stay longer. You know, it's just it's crazy how that happens. And that tells you all you need to know about Oscars. We love them, but how much do they really matter when it comes to remembering movies and like that's the nostalgia aspect? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, a Doyle rules, by the way. A Doyle rules. Jesus, see, the, the hits keep coming. Are you a bit? Like to me, this could have been a number one pick, but I think, like, I agree with you. It was the one that made him legitimate. That's near, that's pretty much just as quotable. No, I, I completely agree. And, uh, no, I also like the you have made everyone here dumber. <laughs> like, <laughs> and don't tell me, like, when, when Eric shows up and get out that you like that's oh, like the entire time you're thinking of freaking billy madison which is crazy like the fact that he got that role and get out and like there weren't there wasn't more commentary on that it's it's shocking mm. it's literally shocking you know what's not doesn't get enough commentary on it speaking of like roles in this or getting cast did you know philip seymour hoffman uh, auditioned for the role of, as eric and like oh. actually got it he would have killed it i he know he would and so of course good. they they 10 years or uh Less than a decade later, they do do a movie together, which I won't tease. But like, that would have been something. I think this is a natural transition going into the next pick, because at this point, this is strategy. Like, at those who have listened to our drafts before, it's not. We obviously are picking movies we love the best, but do we know if we're going to get the ones we love later on? So, I think with Sandler, we talked about the versatility in his filmography as of late. 
we have to address some of the dramatic roles. You bring up Philip Seymour Hoffman, and it makes me think I got to choose between two dramatic roles from Sandler that are arguably top five. And I'm going to go with the one that first pe made people look at, look at him as a legitimate dramatic actor, potentially. I'm going with third overall start of the second round. I'm going punch drunk love, right, as my next pick. A PTA movie, PTA sought out Sandler. Right after making Magnolia, right? I think this is his PTA's fourth film, right? Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, and then Punch Drunk Love. It's, this was interesting at the time because, like, this is a 2002 movie. I was only seven years old at the time. I haven't seen, I didn't see this movie until I was like 15, 16 years old. It was on, it was actually on cable a good amount, or it was on HBO. We had HBO at a very young age. So I think Punch Drunk Love was one of those movies. And I was, just seeing clips of, and I saw that Adam Sandler was in it. I was like invested. I'm like, okay, I'm going to check this out. But it's like, I had a similar feeling as a young person watching punch drunk club as people who were familiar with PTA and Sandler, maybe at a more memorable age, like twenties, thirties, forties, and probably going through the same thoughts where it's like, okay, comedic wise, we know who Sandler is, right? What's he trying to do here? And it seems like PTA was so intentional in the casting of Adam Sandler here, like obviously leading up to this point, like he had he had n done nothing close to this level of movie or drama. So to see him accomplish what he did in this movie, he still has it. it kind of like draws away from like the overt comedy, and it more just focuses uh, focuses on his um, potential to just erupt at any moment, and it really takes advantage of that. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Punch Drunk Love. Okay, as my next pick, uh, it was it was like where we finally like saw him as legit. Thoughts? Yeah, that's. I think it's a good pick. Okay, I had this as five slash six on my board, and let me okay. tell you why. Is it better? Is it a better movie than Happy Gilmore? Billy Madison? Yes. God dang yes. So. Paul Thomas Anderson, unbelievable. Like it is a great overall movie but like when i think of adam sandler yes he does have good serious roles but like i'm i'm picking the comedies first so billy madison was my number two just to be clear now punch drunk love does have its like, comedic aspects of it absolutely i think for me you talked about like you saw this on cable you saw this on hbo or whatever i did not like i i did not see this movie this until last a lot year growing up i know but i just never watched it I just never did. I watched it for the first time last year. And that's, I think that, that actually pulls it back, I think, for me. That's why, it's, personally, it's down my list a little bit, right? Because it, it doesn't have that, like, attractiveness that I wanted to see from an, just not just Adam Sandler movie, but a movie. But now, like, going back to the movie itself, it, it is a great pick. Like, it's just so weird because, like, you think Paul Thomas Anderson, like, his prior film, Magnolia, right? He, like, yep. and the book that we talk about that you got me uh, from Paul Thomas Anderson, um, Adam Newman writes, the author wrote how like Paul Thomas Anderson actually like he wanted to drift away from Magnolia, from his multiple character stories, like all crazy stories that are th like, or three hour long movie. He made a 90 minute movie small. and very small. Right. And he said during the time in the promo for Magnolia, he was like, I want to work with two actors going forward. Like not like only those two actors, but like in his career that he hasn't worked with yet. He said two actors. He said Daniel Day-Lewis 
and he said Adam Sandler. That is, and nuts. he's worked with. He's the only director that has worked with both of them. So he got his wish. This is a great movie. The iconic blue suit is on your board. I appreciate that. This is a great pick. But like thinking about that quote, or like from Adam Neiman when he talks about like Daniel Day Lewis and Sandler, the two people he wants to work with. I think that's PTA challenging himself, where he's thinking, okay, if I can work with Daniel Day Lewis and Adam Sandler and create like critically acclaimed movies, then who's going to say that I can like I can't do something right? That I'm incapable of creating any type of movie. And I think it's a fact now that he can do whatever he wants. The PTA can do whatever he wants. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, a frequent collaborator, collaborator with PTA, ultimate scene stealer in this movie. Great one-on-one with Sandler at the end. He's great over the phone, but when they have that interaction in person, it like it gets your blood going a little bit. Gets your blood going a little bit. And to see Stan- Sandler like stand up on his own at that last moment, it makes you cheer him on so much like you do in so many of his comedies, you know? So I love this. I also this is if I was just ranking Adam Sandler movies, right? PT like this one probably I don't pick three overall, but it's the fact that I'm you're probably going to pick one of his dramatic roles with the four or five slot, and I want to make sure I get the dramatic role that I want. So a little bit of strategy here. I guess that, that kind of goes into my next pick here. So you picked it over on Cut Gems, which I'm going to pick at fourth overall. Okay. And I'll let you take the floor first. Why did you pick Punch Drunk Love over Uncut Gems? So when I rewatched Uncut Gems and we did our throwback review, my score actually went down for Uncut Gems. Like Uncut Gems, I don't find Sandler likable one bit, like not for a second of that movie. And why do I like Adam Sandler so much? Even if he like acts like a like a d bag or he acts like an a hole, there's always going to be a redeeming quality in that movie. I get it that this is kind of like subverting all of that, right? What the Safis are doing here, similar to like how PTA was kind of like transforming Sandler a little bit, but the anxiety inducing. I just like. I would rather. I know this isn't this this isn't what makes a better movie. Like you could argue Uncut Gems is actually a better movie, but the rewatchability of Punk Drunk Love I think is huge. And it's the Sandler I want to see as opposed to Uncut Gems. Uncut Gems, it seems like Sandler was just trying to prove something rather than just, I don't know. It just felt like he was trying to prove something that he hasn't done in a long time. Hmm. I do get that same feel. Maybe it's recency bias. It's close. It's not like I didn't think about it. Hmm. For me, I, I I do like Uncut Gems more. I do think... Yes, like Philip Seymour Hoffman is good in Punch Drunk Love, but I do wish he was actually in it more. And Uncut Gems, I think the supporting cast not only is it great, but I think there's a great cameos that are also very good in their feature film debuts that like Kevin Garnett uh, and uh, The Weeknd and their limited roles there. It kind of brings that little spark to the movie that I like. And also just like the Safties working on this movie. You knew how like they wanted Kobe at one point, Amari Stoudemire. This movie was in like the, in flux for ten, like almost 10 years. Just that little like behind the scenes, like lore of this movie was very interesting. I love that personally. And sports gambling, very intense movie. You definitely remember that when you see that in theaters, you'll remember that movie theater experience. I love that part of it. I just didn't have that same connection to Punch Drunk Love that I do with Uncut Gems, which is why I would have taken it over it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, so like we're older when we saw Uncut Gems. We saw it in theaters as opposed to seeing Punch Drunk Love. 
I think it's like the cinephile in me, right? And we know we're both Paul Thomas Anderson fans where I'm taking punch drunk love instead. Uh, but I, the second time I watched Uncut Gems, like I was just, I almost was more uncomfortable watching it the second time than the first time. And like, how many times am I going to like return to that movie? Minimally. And like, but it was a huge cultural movie. When you think of like Adam Sandler with the mustard yellow shirt, like all over Instagram, oh, all over Twitter, all over Instagram, okay, with the glasses on, and then seeing him perform in that movie, it literally, literally was unlike anything we've ever seen Sandler done, and that's unique, and that's a thing that definitely should go on, like it should be notable, right? Uh, but yeah, I respect the pick. That's what I was choosing between. Good pick. And then my third overall pick. Uh, fifth pick overall in this draft. I'm going to go a little different, I think. I think different than what you think I'm going to do. I'm picking The Wedding Singer. I wanted that um, one as my next one. It's okay. Great soundtrack. You spin my head. I think it's great. I think Robbie Hart overall showed... Adam Sandler coming back to the singing chops, right? He did have that album earlier in the 90s. He's got his singing chops. Again, that quick anger that we talk about. Like, I think Robbie Hart was just very also relatable, right? But also just this whole movie itself, his first collab with Drew Barrymore, right? This is the first time they did a movie. They've done three movies, this one. And yeah, this is his first one. And I think this kind of like sparked a little romance in the late 90s going into the early 2000s. And just always remember about Van Halen. Like every time I see that this movie and I see the Van Halen t-shirt, I'm like, okay, anytime you're giving away t-shirts, you got to be protective. And this is what the movie that really started that for me. Giving away clothes, is it like letting your brothers wear your clothes. This is the movie where it's like, okay, like definitely have to like be considerate of that. So I love this movie. I think it's a personal pick for me, but I'm picking The Wedding Singer. This was next on my board. I was hoping it was going to reach me. Uh, you're right. This is where Sandler starts to go in his rom-com mode a little bit and first collaboration with Drew Barrymore, as you pointed out. Um, I think a big part of this is that I actually bought him as a wedding singer. I believed him as a wedding singer. As weird as that sounds, He's always been singing throughout his entire career. We know he's not the best singer, but he's willing to put himself out there. And that's what a lot of wedding singers in real life are. Like they don't have enough to make it to the big time. They don't make their own like songs, but they're going to cover their favorite songs. So the fact that the beginning of this movie, first of all, is so electric with the right round song that you were talking about. I, when I heard that song, the first time I heard it was not on the radio. It wasn't in my dad's car when he's playing a CD. It wasn't on like whatever. This is the 80s soundtrack. It was in this movie. And when I heard Sandler sing it, I immediately looked up the song and I thought Sandler's was better. Like similar to like how you like what you do with like Joaquin, Johnny Cash. You'd rather hear the Walk the Line soundtrack rather mm -hmm. than Johnny Cash. I would rather hear Adam Sandler sing Right Round than Dead or Alive. And that's crazy because like Sandler is nowhere near as good, but I think it's just the vibes that are set at the beginning of this movie. So good. There's something hilarious about Adam Sandler having a perm and a, like a perm mullet so funny. in this movie. Um, and then obviously what makes Adam Sandler movies too, is like how personal they are to him. And like, you could tell what, I mean, something we know from Sandler, especially from his nineties movies, early two thousands, he implements a lot of his personal interests 
in his movie. So he's like wearing a Van Halen t-shirt. You know he's a Van Halen fan. It's like when you go to like Billy Madison, he's wearing a Billy Squire shirt and a jean jacket. You're like, he loved Billy Squire. Like he, you just know that about him. And he has that same thing going with Wedding Singer. And he has an investment in this music. He has a passion for it. And it makes it awesome. And then obviously not just the singing moments with right round you could go to the somebody kill me which is like him going all out right it's one of the most like i guess i guess it might be the funniest part of the movie he's with john losing Levitz. his mind yeah john levitt scene stealing cameo and then all the obviously at the end you got like billy idol like popping in there like this is definitely top five from these sandler movies it was actually top four for me i think is it because like he pulls like in billy madison you're talking about the jean jacket and the shirt. I think it was an REO Speedwagon shirt. Was it? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I remember it been that. Because I was yeah. like, dang, I want that t shirt and that jean jacket. And like, that's actually pretty. I remember wanting that as a kid. It's a great outfit. Yeah. Then he, gets, um, like, then he gets the ice cream thrown at him. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I think you said you hit all the note, you hit all the points there. And uh, I also say, with the wedding singer yes you mentioned billy idol and some of the cameos here um but also it's just like overall this is a good movie like it no it is a good movie it is so i i really do like that because before that like before this movie you know you're thinking happy gilmore you're thinking billy madison uh airheads like you're thinking oh uh, whoops i just teased the pick it's okay. but uh I plan on picking airheads. it's just like nothing was that like core that you would say like a critical you'd be like wow it's a good movie but this is like, yep, that's a good movie. Yeah, it's like one thing because the filmography, you can easily cross off saying they're like, yep, garbage, garbage, garbage. Even like the ones we picked, you could argue say are garbage if you hadn't seen them until 2015 or later. You know, if you weren't familiar with Adam Sandler movies. Imagine you're trying to review like Adam Sandler movies from the 90s today, like Rotten Tomatoes. Like you have these newer critics that like review old movies. It's got to be plummeting the score big time. Um, but a, a down, a downgrade, a downgrade I have for this movie is that basically you have a low-grade shooter McGavin as the villain who is terrible? Yeah, I agree with that. Like he, he like tried to like do what they did because I think Wedding was ninety nine, right? Am I, mm. If I'm or ninety eight, might have been ninety eight. Yes, ninety eight. And I think Happy Gilmore was prior to Wedding Six. Singer. What? Yeah. So it's like so when you look at that, it's like okay, they were just trying to duplicate like Shooter McGavin again. Um, I actually have a story with this movie, uh, Wedding Singer. <laughs> So I'd see like I, I watched it before eighth grade, but we had a summer camp. Okay, our dad ran the summer camp. And they I don't know if I can actually share this on the podcast. Uh so we have we used to have a sleepover, okay, at the camp. And we put on Adam Sandler. We put on the wedding wedding singer. And I had my first girlfriend at the time. Okay, I won't say the name of the podcast from a different town and everything. And that first makeout sesh, like after we watched the wedding singer, first the wedding film. singer, yeah. So that it, it was like a great rom com, and then it got like the, the I was in seventh grade, seventh grade going into eighth, I think. Oh no, was it her? Was was her name Linda? Linda. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not wearing a music shirt. I didn't lend her a shirt for the night. But that was a. It was either sixth grade or sixth grade and seventh or seventh and eighth. I'll have to. Uh, I'll have to look back in the archives. I've known Linda, that. can you please take off my Van Halen t-shirt before that, you take them? That was my memory of this wedding singer. I'm like, damn, that's like the first time I watched it all the way through. Like I'd seen it younger days, but like at that time really sticks out when I saw it. So I had to share that story. Um, all right. So you've done back to back. So it's on to me. 
with sorry, let me just type yours in so I can go on to mine. So we're on to the third round, uh, second pick for uh, third round. Tough because that's what I wanted real bad. And I think this is where you kind of see a divide in the filmography. It makes me think like if I'm going for a win in this draft, like I, I, I the fact that you have Yilmar uncut gems wedding singer as a three, that's tough for me just because I don't think I can pick one that's going to match the wedding singer as a third. Uh, there's one that people might say, and I'm actually not a big fan of that movie. So I don't think I'm going to pick it with my next pick. Um, I'm going big daddy, big daddy as the end of the third round here. Let me just type it in and I'll get to my point. So this is also uh late nineties, I believe. 99. It's like, this is, this is all this, as I said before, this is like peak Sandler. And, uh, you got Frankenstein as the kid. You got Scuba Steve in the mix. You got early collaborations with Rob Schneider as one of the best supporting comedic actors of this time period, late 90s, early 2000s, into the mid 2000s. Uh, Sonny, okay, an unforgettable name. And because of this movie, you never forget when McDonald's closes for breakfast. I think. And like John Stewart, like showing up in this movie is kind of crazy. Leslie Mann, early time that we're seeing her, and like we were to see her a lot in late 2000s, early 2010s comedies. A lot, a lot of um collaborations with Apatow. You're gonna see her in Funny People. Sorry, teasing a pick, but I think that's where I'm gonna go next. I think I think Big Daddy's the next one on that list. It's like the third one in that late 90s period, like behind. Wedding singer behind Gilmore, Big Daddy, I think is the next logical one because Billy Madison's born mid 90s. But that's, I'm confident going with that. Thoughts? I had this as my number seven. So I, I think it's a good pick. I, uh, I do think this is a weird part of the draft now. I, I think the wedding singer kind of started it, but definitely now it's because now it's like you have your post, like drop your pants funny, like piss your you pants funny. Right. And then you also lost your core, like dramatic roles. Right. So we're in that middle period or that middle vibe of the drama, like romantic comedies or comedy drama. We're in the middle stage. So I think I'm fine with you picking that one. I, at least when I was a kid, besides Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, like when I was a young kid, like younger than 13, this was definitely like my third favorite Adam Sandler movie for sure. Until like, you know, I got a little older post high school super rewatchable movie super rewatchable just like most of these i would say aside from punch drunk love and uncut gems like these are like the four movies that i kept on recycle five movies that i kept on recycle growing up right this is what like formed my childhood going from billy madison back to happy gilmore then we go to big daddy like those are the movies that i don't know they just had staying power even when we were kids uh all right I also and, then, and they were also say, on cable. Like that's just not a thing anymore for kids. Like these movies aren't on cable. Kids are all like parents cut their cable. They have strictly streaming. So when an Adam Sandler movie comes on streaming, all they know is like these not these Adam Sandler Netflix movies that suck, right? Rather than yes. the stuff that made him so iconic. Right. And I like two things I just wanted to add. One, good kid performance. Dylan Sprouse, I think so is good. one. Good kid song. performance. Tough to get a good kid performance. Talking talking to you, Star Wars. Sorry. Um, Microsoft went down six points. So that, and then I would also say 
I know this wasn't his first movie with Adam Sandler, but I think this is the first, like if you look at his filmography with him and the collapse that he's done, this was really the first one where he was like, damn, that was actually like good. And Rob Schneider as a yeah. delivery guy, good in this role. It's like a lead a into his future like performances with Sandler. You know, this that solidified like him to be like a one of his boys like going forward, not just like to be in the movie for like a short period of time like he was before. And this is like, oh, major part of the movie. He basically forward. plays the same role again in a future Sandler movie that might get drafted later. Mm, correct. Moving on to the start of the fourth round, Ricky Flex. I think I'm going to go with an iconic one. Uh, also late 90s. One that I think I have at number four for his late comedies behind Big Daddy, behind Wedding Singer, behind Happy Gilmore, and that's The Waterboy. I think The Waterboy is going to be my next one. Bobby Boucher, iconic Sandler uh, supporting role from Kathy Bates. I think Colonel Sanders. I think Water Sucks, <laughs> right? Uh, and I think of Gatorade. I think this one, it feels it's not as the production of it didn't seem as high as like big daddy wedding singer and happy Gilmore. It seemed almost like more grassroots early days Sandler, like the voice imitation feels like what he did on SNL and everything. But I think the Boucher character is so iconic in the filmography. It should go at number what seven here. So I'm confident with Waterboy. thoughts. I, I had it at eight slash nine. I think it's a good spot for it. Um, again, quotable, like water sucks. It really, really sucks. You know, like you could say the mama says that whatever's the devil, like everything, you know, Henry Winkler. Great in this as well. Also like, a great supporting role. My God. Yeah. He's great in this. Um, I think just, this is, if he had a comp it to another Sandler, it's going to be happy Gilmore. Right. Yep. And I think this one relies more on the actual sports, like the action. Right. A lot of not is also quotable, like in the lines are funny, but also like, you know, Happy Gilmore hits in a mile, hits the ball a mile. Like the water boy is so stupid on the field, but he's also so freakishly athletic in the way he's running and what he does. He hits people so hard, like the actual actions on the field make this movie so iconic, not just the great quotes. And I think that's what differentiates it from Happy Gilmore, where that one's like that's more of the off the field antics and like. You know, like him celebrating after the shot, not the actual shot, you know? Yeah. And like the Fouts must, uh, uh, Musburger aspect in this. <laughs> it's because I didn't hold anything back. Like that, like that whole aspect is so amazing. Rob Schneider also early appearance in the Sandler movie, mm. right? Group hug in the, no, wait, is it no group hug in no, the showers no. or is that, no. Sand, is that longest yard? That Longest teased, yard. teased i apologize but that's also oh like, we, we suck, suck again, again. <laughs> yeah that was it it's easy to confuse those two um i think this is the better like sandler football movie to be honest uh just be uh, it's it's tough because like we'll, we'll get to it i don't want to tease any more picks but uh winkler showing up in here i think like late 90s like people kind of forgot about henry winkler and they were thinking about him like solely for the fonds and to see mm. him here as like this feeble-minded football coach i think was i guess great nostalgia for a lot of people during that time if they saw it in a theater i love it right vicky valancourt right iconic sandler love interest right that was one where sandler wasn't really it's not like he was getting uh brooke uh was it was it brooklyn decker he, he wasn't hiring her yet for these movies right. he's not getting aniston or drew barrymore he's getting vicky valancourt to do these type <laughs> of comedies but yeah water boy 
Captain Insano showed no mercy. Uh, oh, the, the quotability of this movie is also underrated. Like we talked about the water sucks, the Gatorade. How many times have I heard you say, Ricky, yourself, Gatorade? Like you Gatorade. used to say it all the time. But yeah, the Captain Insano shows no mercy is also just, it's up there with some of the most iconic stuff. Ben Franklin is the devil. I created electricity. No, um, great pick. All right, back to back here. All right, first, I want this as number nine. I'm going to go 50 first dates. Now, I think out of all the ones on the board so far, the only movies I've seen more are Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison. I would say I've seen this more than The Waterboy. And it's just always on cable, right? And yes, it's funny. It's not like as quotable, but this is a pure rom-com. Was this 04? I think it's 04. And... Overall, I think at number eight, I'm comfortable comfortable with it there. And you know, again, Drew Barrymore reunites. What was it? Ninety? What was it? Ninety-eight wedding singer. So what was it? Oh four. So six years later. And obviously, the premise here a little more serious, but still a little different, right? Like the accident, but more of a serious role for Sandler post punk drunk love. Not afraid to dip his water in the uh, more uh, dramatic dramatic roles here so yes this is a comedy though rob schneider great in this as well as ula i don't know if he was drafted in our side characters adam sandler draft but definitely should have been so i'm gonna go 50 first dates yes i think i think that's where i had this um this is the mid-2000s where sandler re-collaborates with drew barrymore rob schneider is amazing in this movie he is so funny. Uh, we go together like lamb and tuna fish. <laughs> and then like I remember like as this movie came out when I was 10 years old, just the part where he has seen, where he's in like Rob Schneider's in the water. And he says like, oh, wait a second. I have to go down there and find my balls. <laughs> like, like at the end of that scene uh, where he's in the water with in front of his kids. Also iconic. 10 second Bob. Right. 10 second Bob was great. Uh, but also the wouldn't it be nice. It's like makes that movie so memorable. That's what I so memorable. If you say 50 first dates, the first thing I think of is him on the boat. Wouldn't it be nice? Yeah. And then also like Sean Aston shaking his boobs. I think that's also up there. <laughs> but also that's what I think of. Right? Sean, Aston. Him, Sean Aston on steroids. And that, that came after that came after Lord of the Rings, <laughs> believe it or not. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and I think another thing that holds this movie back, why it's not up higher, like above the wedding singer or punch drunk love for like rom-coms is that it's kind of, this one you mentioned, uh, I think I think you mentioned it that Uncut Gems is like kind of sad or it's not as like rewatchable. This one's like really sad a lot. So yes. some people don't think it's rewatchable. I like I wrong. I tend, I, te- I think that's wrong. I think the first two thirds are so rewatchable. The last third, yes, it gets really serious and it gets really sad. Yeah. I haven't cried at this movie, but I wouldn't be surprised if I ever do cry later down in my life. I think that's what holds it back for some people, but I think it's worthy where it is right here at number eight overall. Such an an interesting concept. I think it's great for a rom com. Uh, I don't think it had been really done before, where it's like every day you forget who the person is. And I think they did a good job adapting that type of story. And I, I think that's tough. That really is hard. And it, it showed like Sandler how they kind of made him out to try, like kind of look like a jerk. But it's hard to make Adam Sandler look like a jerk in general. Like he's just such a likable guy. But uh. No, they, he really shined, I think, in this one. I think that chemistry really showed out between him and Barrymore. Good stuff. You know, 
Not so, as good as Wedding Singer, though. Not as not good. As good. I agree. Not as I good. might watch Wedding Singer tonight, not going to lie. I, I don't even know where it's streaming. Oh, it's streaming but, somewhere. Uh, it's always streaming somewhere. It, it's just also interesting. So, like, Sandler, like, what's, like, a common thing with him? He, like, kind of reconnects with, like, other people. You know, like, he always takes care of his boys. You know, like, his other actors, like Rob Schneider, for example. Right? But, like, if you think of the writer for this movie, George Wing, you know, he did this. This was his first, like, feature film. Yep. But then he didn't do, like, any other feature films the rest of his career. He wrote Outsource, the TV series that lasted like Yo, one season. Yo, I like that show. That should have lasted more than one season. Lasted one, one season. season. But like, I don't know what he's doing now. That but was after was... The Office, when The Office was coming out with new episodes on NBC. Right, right. And then like the director was uh, Peter Seagal. And he did like Naked Gun and a Third, Get Smart, Get Smart, the like 08 Steve Carell, like a couple other like rom-coms in 2000 the 2010s. Comics, yeah. But like, you know, like this is like their best clearly. And it's because and like it's because of Sandler, not a frequent collaborator with them. Yeah, no, I like this pick. Like it definitely I had it at I think I had it at around 10. I had it around 10. But so it, it's OK. You have it there. 100 percent. Like This is a very rewatchable, in my opinion. So, Ricky Flex, you're on to the, the fifth round here. Your fifth overall. So I'm debating between two. I can go with the better movie. Or a personal pick, and I'm going to go with the better movie. I'm picking the Meyerwood stories. I knew you were going to do this. This is the one I was referring to for dramatic roles before I cut gems. I, I particularly think Adam Sandler is very good in this movie. I think Ben Stiller is very good in this movie. Dustin Hoffman steals the show, is the best performer in this movie. So that's why I kind of held back why it's like so late in the game here for like an Adam Sandler movie draft. But this movie is just so good. Noah Baumbach, just overall, this is this might be the best movie overall on the board, like just pure movie. And I'm getting it at nine, so I'll take it, even though it's very sad as well. Very sad movie, and just like kind of a downer the entire movie. So like it's not rewatchable. I've only seen it once, but it's just so appreciated. Like I appreciate it so much. I feel like it's on the board here at nine. I can't let it slip. And I don't even know if you would have picked it to be honest, but I just have to take it at my last pick. So I'm going to go with Meyer with stories. I guarantee I wouldn't have picked it because this is the only hole in my Adam Sandler filmography. This is wow. the only hole. Uh, this is the only, like I, I haven't seen ridiculous sex. I'll be honest about that one, but uh, I have and murder mystery. I haven't seen that one either. I heard it's okay. Yeah. yeah that's pretty good. Uh, but the fact that it's, it is a must watch because this is like the third one in that dramatic type of movies that we know in Adam Sandler to sometimes dive into that like is worth, I guess, like a watch, you know? And it's like these type of movies where you like Adam Sandler has become a person like you have like Jim Carrey, how we transitioned a little bit late nineties became this dramatic actor into the early two thousands. Like obviously man on the moon and like, uh, Truman Show, uh, Eternal, the Truman Show, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and was really going for it. And it's it's almost like Sandler has taken these type of roles and scattered them throughout his career, and he's made it like appointment movie watching whenever he does something like this. And this is the whole for me because whenever Sandler goes into something, even Hustle that just came out, a movie that seems so generic, it's like every other sports movie you've ever seen, same template at least, but why is it worth seeing? It's Adam Sandler in a dramatic role. He's not going full on comedy. Like he's one of the few actors that can dive into a genre randomly 
and makes everyone want to watch it. I feel like the Meyerowitz stories kind of gets hidden compared to Uncut Gems and Punch Drunk Love. That's the one people talk about. So I'm going to make sure alongside the movies I'm watching this weekend, I'm looking at RRR, <laughs> Margin Call, and then Meyerowitz stories. Mm. And now you just bring up Hustle. And and Hustle, we complained, of, or I, I complained, that I don't think the daughter, father-daughter relationship was really explored enough. You understand it, but like Myra's stories, I think they do it very well. And the whole family dynamic is so impressive. That again, Noah Bombach, marriage story writer, like it's just clear differentiator between like the how good the movies are. Like the hustle is just a good sports movie. Like, you know, it's adequate and it's just a fun watch. It's a good watch. Myra's stories like actually like, holy crap, this is cinema. Like this is like pure art. You know? I've been fascinated by the Myrowitz stories because you have two of the great comedic minds of the late 90s, early 2000s with Sandler and Stiller, and they're playing very much different characters from what I read about the movie and seeing them go against one another in a more dramatic like type of movie. That to me, that's like the type of stuff I'm looking for as a cinephile, as someone who wants to see like their favorite people, favorite actors, dude, like how they interact, like and see like two people that are known for such different entities. Like, go at it. That's cool. To me, that's awesome. And then Noah Baumbach at the center of it all, like like coordinating what's happening. And then Hoffman and Icon in, in and of himself, right, as the centerpiece of the story. Mm. I think that I, I'm shocked that I haven't seen this movie, especially because I'm such a Sandler head, you know? Yeah. I, I, and kind of just to wrap up, and this is like two things. One, Hoffman. I wouldn't have been surprised if he got nominated for an Oscar for his role. I think he was that good. Do you think it suffered um, from like being released on a streaming service? Do you think that's why I didn't get yes, nominated? Yes, because this was. This was uh, 2017, so it was yeah, before Marriage Story. 2018, like Marriage Story, kind of like broke out that realm. Roma, remember Roma? Uh, that didn't really because 2018, like, right? You, yeah, 2018. Like that, people say that was the best picture of the year, but didn't win. It had that Netflix, uh, like a Netflix stigma. stamp. Yeah, stigma. Thank you on it. So that kind of hurt it. And I think this was again even before that. So. Yeah, definitely. Like this was walked. I'm not gonna say this walked so Roma could run because Roma is just such a, a amazing movie. But I'll just say like it had that Netflix stigma stigma on it. But um, the second thing I was just gonna say is that you mentioned how Sandler like kind of scattered his dramatic roles that you could say like, oh, like is he going for an Oscar here? Is he going for an Oscar here? Versus like what usually a, a actor does is like, oh, you just turn full blown drama or dramatic yeah. going for the like you said with Jim Carrey. He, and run. Why, he doesn't go on a run. You yeah, know? he never goes on a run, but it's because he doesn't care about the Oscars. He doesn't care about the critics, right? Like, as it's a famous thing that Roger Ebert, like, all, through all of uh, Sandler's 90s movies, not one of them Ebert liked. You know what I mean? Like, the famous uh, critic. His first movie that Sandler starred in that he liked was Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson. So it's just like he never, Sandler never cares about that. He cares about the audience and himself and his friends. Like, how, how can he get his friends in the movies? Will this movie be fun? And will my audience like it? Will it hit my brand that I'm trying to do, right? And that's what he does. And then you, you can easily tell by the way he dresses, he doesn't care. He just measures success in such a different way where it's like, okay, like he's made this much money. Okay, what can I do now? How can I bring as much of my friends into this industry as possible and make them successful? But then also, how can I keep challenging myself with movie roles like i'm not just like every once in a while i'm going to team up with a great young director like the safties i'm going to go with a noah bomb all right he's going to team up with johan rank from 
Chernobyl. Like he's just he's gonna do that, but then he's still gonna like hire young directors where he can kind of like take him under like take them under his wing and be like, okay, let's just make a movie together, get it like get it out of your system, let's make a Netflix movie, let's make it entertaining, do our thing. Like, I don't even know who the director for Hubie Halloween was, but I guess but I would assume it was someone younger, okay ultimate sandler fan and just wanted to like have a good time making a movie right just get inside the business you know so sandler his like measure of success is so different and the fact he doesn't go on those runs you bring you bring up roger ebert it made me think of like a potential segment we could do ricky flex when we do our throwback reviews uh i think we should measure like what we think of the movie compared to what ebert thought i think that'd be a good uh a good segment within a throwback that's pretty good and you just mentioned hubie halloween director I will say the director has done a lot. Um, Who was Stephen it? Brill. So he's done like lesser Adam's... known, I should say, not younger, lesser known. Well, like he's done like big, da- like Adam Sandler movies, Big Daddy, Sandy Wexler, Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds. Like those are all oh, uh, the duo. So I was wrong about that. It's okay. Uh, and then he's done like a bunch of other stuff, um, not just like also writing and that you would know, but we'll just pass on that. He has a long filmography. You can look it up. I appreciate the fact check there. No really worries. <laughs> uh all right with that being said let's get to the 10th overall pick last of the fifth round and i am torn ricky flex between two movies and i'll just let it be known technically three but i think i've ruled out the longest yard i'm not gonna pick it i'm not gonna pick anger management i'm down to two click mr deeds and they seem somewhat similar in a weird type of way i'm i i either go with none of them are critically acclaimed they each have like their own type of flaws to them they each have great supporting roles attached to those type of roles they got beautiful people both of those movies as well might i add i think wow this is actually hard okay let me let me uh say something here i have an idea but i want to hear your thoughts i'm not going to say which one i like more yeah good but I will say there's two types of things you're going. You can go for ensemble, funnier, in my opinion, and a remake. It's a remake. And it's wackier. Very much wackier. Or you pick the movie where it's like also like not a rom-com, but it's not like a straight comedy either. It's like a it's a dramedy, right? Um, I almost cried. I literally like had tears in my eyes, oh, I like about cry. to cry. How did like, you not cry during click? This one is like very sad. Um, it's rewatchable, but it's not rewatchable. Like you re you have rewatched it a bunch, but you it's not a rewatchable movie. So what are we going with? We're going Mr. Deeds, bro. We're going Mr. Deeds, and I think that's not it's not the better movie. It really isn't, but I think it's the Adam Sandler role that I like more. Uh, click. I think that I didn't pick that because it has such an extreme turn in it where it's like you go from like almost like that wacky type of comedy, Christopher Walken dancing to very serious type of like consequences to people's actions. And it makes it potentially a better movie, but like I just not like it's not what the audience is expecting, which I also think makes it pretty good. But Mr. D's like. I think of Adam Sandler. I think of rewatchable movies. I think Mr. Deeds is up there. It's not great. Uh, John Turturro, right? He likes feet. He likes socks. Big okay? foot guy. He likes feet. He likes socks. Uh, this is the definition of a wacky Sandler comedy of the late 90s, early 2000s. 
it's like this came out in 2002, the same year, I believe, as Punk Drunk Love. Yes. Is that, or is that, or is or Punk Drunk Love 2004? No, 2002. You're right. So if I was Paul Thomas Anderson, I might have been asking around how Adam Sandler's doing. What's he doing next? Like, he is so soft-spoken. It's such a nice guy in Mr. Deeds. I could see somehow this connecting to his role in Punch Drunk Love. Somehow. It's really? Just, it's just minus the volatility. Of punk drunk love, you know what I'm saying? I like, was, I, take away I, like take away the outburst, but the so but someone who's just like I guess naturally such a nice person. Okay, you could never see doing anything wrong, and then he's caught up in something wrong, like he is in punch drunk love. I see your points. I think you need to read the book that you got me, um, and also what I said earlier. Just like he obviously like looked at. I think in my opinion, he looked at like wedding singer. It's like oh. Someone that's nice that you're saying oh, is that what has they said that short book? fuse. Well, like he said, he wanted to work with Adam Sandler uh, in '99 after Magnolia on the okay. promo. But I tour. still wonder if this influenced him because this is the most nice guy Adam Sandler role that there's ever been. Yeah, for sure. Given Ferraris to the whole town of New Hampshire or wherever in New Hampshire. And then also, like talk about cameos, McEnroe. <laughs> McEnroe. McEnroe is must talk about in this. Um, I feel like what the way this movie could have improved is actually replacing Winona Ryder with Drew Barrymore. I agree. And that's how this movie gets a little bit better, right? In terms of like a critical score, but rewatchability, it's still there, baby. It's still there. And when they're in the plane, when they're in the plane listening to David Bowie, that's also like I forgot that actor's name, that bald dude, right? With like the uh, with the with the hair on the sides, the gray hair. Uh, God, what's his name, Ricky Flex? I'm going to look uh, it up really quick. But what are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Deeds? Are you a fan or not? You know, Longfellow Deeds. I Longfellow is my... an all-time name. <laughs> all-time name. Uh, not my favorite movie from Adam Sandler. Not in my top 10. Yes, I do think it's funny, but only at times. I don't think it's as consistently funny as the movies that we have picked. I personally would have gone the longest yard. I would have gone the longest yard. I was I thinking a... that. For me, that's I, I remember watching that, I think, on my, what was it, 04, so my eighth birthday when it came out on DVD. My eighth birthday party had a big sleepover, and we watched The Longest Yard because I got it as a gift from our parents uh, on DVD. So, um, and that one, talk about cameo, huge ensemble there. Chris Rock also great in that. So I would have picked that, um, and I would have picked Click 2, but... I think like for you would have picked click over Mr. Deeds. I just, I just, cause I think click to me was too, like it it went so hard, right? I don't know. It did. It did. No, no. So I agree with you, but what my thinking is, is that yes, it went so hard, right? But it has Adam Sandler doesn't have a lot of far or right movies versus his left, which like we're saying are the comedies are so much stronger than a Mr. Deeds in my opinion. That I I wouldn't want that to dilute my board of like his comedies. I guess yes, I know what you're saying. But people Mr. love Mr. Deeds. Like, Mr. I'm not Deeds. Mr. Deeds. First of all, I am totally recognizing that people like you look at this as a critical lens. People don't like it, but as an Adam Sandler lens, like this is one of the most likable Adam Sandler movies ever made. 
to me, it goes hand in hand with like Big Daddy. Like Mr. Deeds and Big Daddy are so similar, where it's like Adam Sandler almost playing himself in a movie. Um, but looking at the supporting cast, I did want to bring up like the name was Eric Avari. He plays Cecil. Like Cecil, like singing with like operatic in the plane, right? And Buscemi with crazy eyes. Peter Gallagher as Chuck Cedar also is an underrated Sandler villain. And then also, like honestly, one of my favorite scenes because we're sports guys when he's talking down the number one pick because he finds out that he owns a sports team. Yes, like that. That is so funny. He's that like, you got to change your attitude, or no one's gonna want to draft you. <laughs> like, that whole aspect is so great, and it just goes with like Adam Sandler, like going with. His personals, he knows sports. He seems natural talking about sports. Although it seems crazy, you're like, yeah, this guy's got issues. You're right. Who would take this guy? He is kind of a first round threat. Right? Oh, the, He's not exactly I, solidified. I, and also, like the opera thing, like talk about a quote I always say, like genius, genius. Like, oh, so good. <laughs> I always. How many say times that. have we quoted that? Genius, genius. <laughs> I say that like once a day. Actually, John though, Turo, so good. But uh, yeah, I, that's definitely a sentimental. Uh, definitely a sentimental. But uh, yeah, but uh, oh, that does it for our draft. I was gonna say, like, there's more on the board here, but yeah, all right, let's it. go through the draft real quick, then we'll go through the honorable mentions. Ricky Flicks has Happy Gilmore, Uncut Gems, Wedding Singer, 50 First Dates, and then Meyerowitz Stories. Doc Rowe has Billy Madison, Punch Drunk Love, Big Daddy, The Water Boy, and Mr. Deeds. Ricky Flicks, what was next off your board for Adam Sandler roles or Adam Sandler movies? Excuse me, okay, so I had Longest Yard at 10. 11 for me it was right there um 12 12 12. let's see i had i click at 11 so we talked about those uh at 12 it was a fight i had a fight at 12 and 13 and it was between anger management and funny people i had anger management i had a funny people i'm not a funny people guy I think he's too angry in anger management. Like funny people, it's like Apatow trying to like almost like PTA was trying to sh- like prove something with Punch Drunk Love. I seem like Apatow was trying to prove something with funny people. It might have aged better over the years. I think it has. But I don't man, it's also it's one of those Adam Sandler movies that are act- that's actually hard to watch. And there's very it few is. Sandler movies that are hard to watch. I think that category goes like uncut gems is there. Okay. Is anger management not there either? No, because it has too much comedic elements. But Adam Sandler is—I hate Adam Sandler in that movie. Yeah, I really don't like him. But it's honestly—you could argue it's more of a Nicholson movie by the way he acts. I agree, buddy. Great, great. That's that's why. That's why I I I think I picked him in my top ten. I was just like, okay, Nicholson at one one for side characters. I think no, I might have. I don't think you did. I think I might have because it's that's really his movie. He makes that great. I really don't like Adam Sandler. I feel movie. pretty. Oh, I so feel pretty. pretty. <laughs> oh, so pretty and But uh, <laughs> it's it. like Nicholson is Woody Harrelson's in that movie, by the way. Jesus. Um, mm. But yeah, like I just Adam Sandler, like we talk about how relatable, short fuse. That one, he only has an anger fuse and it just makes you angry. And I'm not saying he was bad in the movie. It just you talk about how much you you think Adam Sandler in his movies is likable. I do not like him in that, and he loves cats in that. Very weird. It is a little bit odd. It is a little bit odd, but that's like it was a weird period. It was 20, 2003, I believe. Um, mm. Longest yard I had there. Funny people. It was outside the top ten for me. Uh, I thought Chuck and Larry's low key hilarious. To be honest, 
<laughs> Chuck and Larry is low key hilarious. People don't want like people don't. I don't think it's aged very well to be honest. In this it has of, like climate that we live in right now, um, hustle. I didn't consider it. It's way too early. Uh, but also when you look at hustle, it's probably his like fourth best sports movie in general, or maybe third best. Third best. I would. It might be second. Now I'm thinking about it. Happy Gilmore's number one. Where does hustle rank in the Adam Sandler sports movie ranking? So you have I would hustle, go. I, I would go. Let happy me listen. Gil- Let me, can I list okay. them first? Yeah, yeah. So you have Happy Gilmore, Longest Yard, Water Boy, Hustle. Which one? How do you rank those four? Hustle is just so formulaic. The other three aren't formulaic. They're wacky, uh, and one's a remake. But I rather have those three than Hustle. And it's not just about score, just about how good of a movie it is. It's just about like iconic, I agree. funny. I think it's four. It just outweighs it. I think it's four. I think I think Hustle's four. Uh, just because it, it's like not. Let's say, Sandler didn't do Uncut Gems. Okay. All right. Maybe it's after Myron's stories, which not a lot of people had seen. And then all of a sudden, Sandler's doing this. I think people like then think about it in a higher regard. But the fact that he did Uncut Gems in recent memory, and him taking on his dramatic role now, I think people would have thought about it differently if he never did Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, let's see. So That's my I, boy. Also on here and grown yeah. ups. Those are my two. Grown ups. Uh, you really close. put. Yeah, I was. N- Yo, grown ups is mad rewatchable. Even in this like climate, it is so rewatchable. It's a PG Adam Sandler movie. It's always on ABC Family slash Freeform. It is always on there. It is one of the most uh, sought after cable movies I think going today. And that's like a pure Adam Sandler movie where he wants his friends in the mix, SNL cast members. Like it's right there. Like it, it, it's and they're willing to do it. It's great to watch your favorite actors showcase. I agree. I agree. Um, I I agree with what you're saying. I don't agree with Grown Ups. I just for personally, I don't. That's my boy you know. over Grown Ups. Yeah, that's what that. I would do. <laughs> that's I literally, my boy. I, I have baby. I have that's my boy at a uh, thirteen slash fourteen here. I, I honestly thought about it at 10. I, I It's so funny. I think it's better on a rewatch. The first time you watch it, it's uncomfortable a lot of times. And it's just like, Sandler, what's this accent you're doing? He, he does a lot of accents. Like, what are we doing here? But I think on rewatch and you watch it more, you like you find it funnier on the rewatches. And like, it's like Home Run Derby. The first time you watch it, like, oh, we're doing a Home Run Derby just out of the nowhere at my park, a remake. But then it's like, oh, this is funny. That movie crosses the line. Definitely. If it didn't, it's the, cross, the definition of crossing the line, but it's like, but that's why it's not top 10. Like, if it didn't cross that line, I won't, I won't do a spoiler in case you haven't seen that's my boy. But when it crosses that line, you roll your eyes and you're like, okay, this is this is what I've been waiting for to finally like judge this movie and say, like, this is terrible. You know, it seems like they, it gave critics that moment where it's just like you roll your eyes and you like disrespect Adam Sandler. If it didn't have that yes. moment, it might be a top 10 movie. Yes, yeah, so this is 2012. Imagine if that came out today. Oh my uh, god, that, that's kind of crazy. Um, two two more that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, you mentioned Murder Mystery 2019. Uh, for me, like I hate the stash and like the first 30 minutes. I think, eh, but that is pretty good. And that was the most watched movie on Netflix in 2019. That says something. So I I think just that's worth a mention. And then also. I think this movie was hot on the streets when it came out. It didn't live up to the name. Uh, it didn't live up to the movie. But looking back on it, it's another classic cable movie that is hilarious on a rewatch. Would not be accepted now. 
and it's awful movie, but it's so funny at times. And it's, you don't mess with the Zohan. That that's underrated. Um, it is Zohan now. Is it underrated. is now. I thought it was back then. Like I enjoyed Zohan back then. Really? Except, well, how much yeah. do you think it made at the box office? Uh, total. Yeah. The most domestic international. I would guess sixty-five million dollars. Sixty-five million. To put in perspective, I now this came out in 2008. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry in 2007 made 187 million. Wow. Okay. Okay. Can I adjust it after that? After hearing that? Okay. 80. 204 million. Zohan made over 200 million dollars. I know, dude. The man's box office. Grown ups made 271. Grown ups 247. Uh oh my god. Um, entourage. But uh no, like it just shows he's so box office. John Turturro's in that movie too. Um, villain, the villain. Yeah. How can we forget? <laughs> and also an assassin. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I would I think rewatch that, that movie. Mention. I would rewatch Zohan, Mariah <laughs> Carey, Mariah Carey. The but shirts, yeah, the shirts, the Mariah Carey shirts. That's um, pretty funny. All right, let's cut it there. <laughs> that's gonna do it for the Adam Sandler draft, and that's gonna do it for episode one hundred fifty. Uh, one hundred. Uh, one sixteen, one sixteen of the driving podcast. Uh, make sure you check out our feed because we had two massive episodes earlier this week. We broke the Joker two news that it's going to be a musical, and then Lady Gaga will be playing Harley Quinn in the sequel from Todd Phillips. Madness for two is the early title, and we also did our Obi Wan recap. We did our The Boys recap from last week. Uh, and then we also did our review of Hustle, obviously, what this draft is in honor of. Okay, so wherever you're listening, make sure you hit that follow button. Make sure you're subscribed to the YouTube. If you haven't listened to the Obi-Wan recap yet, it is available right now. So watch it right after if you like what you're hearing. All right, let's have a good time. Let's watch the boys this weekend. Check out the Rex from Ricky Flex and Dr. O. Until next time, we will smell you.